Ladies and gentlemen, rev up your engines and get ready for the deal of a lifetime. Jim K. Ford is proud to announce the 2023 Ford F-150 clear-out sale, the event you've been waiting for. For a limited time only, Jim K. Ford is offering unbeatable discounts, jaw-dropping financing options, and mind-blowing trade-in deals. Don't miss out on the 2023 Ford F-150 clear-out sale at Jim K. Ford, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans, or jimkford.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Well, this is usually the part in the program, the intro, Greg, where I get all excited about the big stories going on with the Ottawa Senators. And uh, when they come home from another five-game road trip, their second in a month where they went 0 for 5 in each, and that's hard to do. You know what? I don't want to go down this road. I'm going down this road. Should I start the show again? Tankathon. I just go down the tankathon road. Oh, I don't think we should. I mean, I, just, <laughs> I want to cater to where listeners' psyche is right now, but at the same time, I also don't want to. I don't. I don't want to be a wet blanket. I, where's your headspace? First of all, how are you, Greg? I'm a mess. Is what I am. But what? How are you? I'm very good. You've now thrown it off to me right away, huh? Okay, sure. I'm good. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for asking. Um, my head, where's my headspace now? My headspace now is probably exactly where it was before the road trip, where I think I even said they're going to go over five. Uh, just it, it, people, please. Here's what you have to think about. They desperately need to do some learning. I think we all agree with that, but it's pretty tough to do learning when you're playing every second day. Like, when are you going to have a practice? When can you actually get on the ice and do some things? And it's not like your peewee club out there for the coaches in the audience. Uh, practice in the NHL, generally speaking, doesn't have a lot of teaching involved. Systems and things like that are done in training camp and put in place, and this is the way we're going to execute, and yada, yada. Most NHL practices during the season are like 40 minutes of some up-tempo flow drills, and actually, most of the time, they do the same drills, and then you're off the ice. So there's a lot of things that need to be done here. We all know that. There's just not a lot of time to get these things into the schedule and get them done. So you're kind of stuck with what you're stuck with. You got a bunch of guys who need to learn through video or almost through osmosis. They need to learn how to play the game better. And you're getting what you're getting right now. It's going to be a slow process. I hope not. It's certainly <laughs> well, starting to look that way. I mean, we did say 10 to 15 games. It might take Jacques Martin to get these guys straightening up and flying right. Who knows? Um, I keep using that golf swing analogy where, you know, you're a terrible golfer and you take some lessons. And in the early going, it's a mess because you're trapped in this world of your old habits of your golf swing with what you're being taught now. And because they look uniquely bad right now with, with so much standing around and watching, am I in the right place? It doesn't look like the game is coming naturally to them right now. That's how it looks to me. I'm hoping that's the case. guess we'll find out in the next five to ten games if Jacques Martin's stuff is working. I think that's what the rest of the season really should be about. Experimentation, NHL boot camp, going back to basics. Because I kind of liken where the Sens are to a sort of a Lord of the Flies arrangement. I think I mentioned that in a recent episode. And that there weren't enough you know, veteran, proven people who've been down this road before. We're going to do a rebuild, everybody. But because you had Eugene Melnick here, you got a rookie GM to handle things, to oversee it. And then a rookie coach came in after that. And then you just 
said, okay, all kids all the time. The kids got paid. They got leadership roles before they even won anything, before they learned how to be good defensive two-way pros. I guess you and I, Greg, we we skew toward the older end of the Sens podcasters out there. I don't think there's any question about that. So we remember the old school way of doing things, and that is uh, better overripe than underdeveloped. For a very long time in our formative years, NHL clubs would get a guy, even first overall draft picks, but very early draft picks, and just by policy, they'd send them down to the minors to be in the American Hockey League to get all the seasoning they need, learning how to be good pros, good at the team game, both sides of the puck. And until you learn that, that was the carrot you could dangle. You want to go up and make NHL money, kid, and be the superstar everybody thinks you can? Learn how to do it here, and then we'll send you up, and then you can go earn it. And after that, you think about the Montreal Canadiens back in the day, for example. They were a big veteran core, and guys like Guy Lafleur in the early 70s, he wasn't that good in the first couple of years, but they'd bring him in slowly, bring him under their wing, bench him when they needed to, and it would always be maybe one or two of those types of guys. That's how it kind of goes. Not this eight or nine young rookies all arriving at the same time, getting to do whatever they want without any veteran coach or veteran leadership in the locker room, telling them how things are done. They got to do whatever they wanted, Lord of the Flies style, and they never got spanked for when they went sideways. In fact, they got $8 million a year. (laughs) And so now it's breaking them down. It's breaking down the horses. And like you said off the top, that will take some time in all life. So here's a question for you. Like I was thinking about this the other night while I was watching it. Is is it too late for some of these players? Are some of these players, is, is their game so ingrained now that breaking habits and creating new habits, it's just not going to happen for some of them? Have they gotten to that point with some of these kids? And that kind of scares me, but it's true. It, it, I, I've seen it thousands of times. You are what you are. There's a certain stage in your hockey career where this is the type of player you are, and it's 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 too late to try to change you into a different type of player. And the more I watch them play now uh, in the last couple of weeks, the more I'm starting to think this may be kind of difficult without having to move out a few of them. I think that that's what this season is about again, not just NHL boot camp from Jacques Martin, but also identifying and evaluating like, are the, is, is player A too far gone? Is player B salvageable at this stage of the game? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, you know, I think about Brady Kachuk, for example. Like, that's that's a player anybody wants, no question about it. But it's not like he doesn't have his warts as well. And there's a guy that's been with this team for six straight years. He's been here six years already, and it's been losing all the way along. And learning how to win is a thing. And I, I mean, Brady Kachuk's had veteran influences, but as we've talked about, they weren't like guys that are in your top six mm-hmm. or in your top four defense. They were always plug and play guys in the bottom half of the roster. And it seemed like those veterans, you know, deferred to Kachuk, who was getting all the ice time. I'm not picking on Brady Kachuk. I'm just looking at him as, a, as an example. Uh, this has gone on for a very long time. So it is insane for us to think that, 11 games into the Jacques Martin switch that uh, we're going to see really dramatic overnight differences. It's this stuff is set in. This is in this roster's bones right now. Mm. And it's hard to change it around when you're, 
you're feeling like garbage leaving the rink after loss after loss. So that's another component to this thing as well, because they're, they're really getting discouraged. This but there is one thing I've, I've taken away from it though. It, the, the reduction in the offense, I, I think, believe it or not, can almost be viewed as a positive sign. Right. If, if you can believe that, uh, they're not as free and easy about jumping on the offense. They're not as reckless at the offensive blue line. They're not trying and trying to get away with some silly offensive stuff that led to turnovers and chances against like they used to. So because of that, like that, that, that didn't, those types of activities didn't fail all the time. Sometimes it worked. You don't want this guy to dangle through the whole team, but you know what? Once in a while it would work and it would lead to offense and it would lead to chances and goals. So because they don't do that as much, they're not creating as much offense. They don't get as many shots. They don't get as many chances. They don't get as many goals. So the fact that the offense is down to me, if you want to be an optimist, can be viewed optimistically as, you know what, they're getting it a little bit. They're getting a little bit of the puck management uh, ideas in the offensive zone at the blue line. They're starting to understand through the neutral zone, while in possession of the puck, how to manage the puck better. It's the defensive side of things, and it has been. As long as we've been doing this show, Steve, we've been talking about how poor they are in their own zone, and that's where I'm a little nervous that some of these guys aren't going to be here for the long haul because either the coach or the GM or somebody's going to say, you know what, this kid's never going to get it. Let's move them now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just looking at guys right now. It's not, again, I think they're caught in a hybrid of what they were Mm -hmm. and what they hope to be. I think you have to get worse before you get better because this hybrid space they're in right now. I mean, I, I look at everybody like guys like Jake Sanderson, right? That's a guy that everybody started the year going, no, that's a, that guy, that's one guy that you can count on. He looks like he's a bit lost right now. No, everybody looks a little bit lost right now. It's because they're learning something new. It's almost like mentally they're looking at the bench going, is this what you want me to do, Jacques? And so as a result, they're not clear on what they're doing. It's not coming naturally to them right now. They're not sure if they're in the right place, not sure if they're making the right read, making the right decisions. And that's why it looks, I think, you know, maybe even worse than it was under DJ Smith right now, because they're still trying to figure things out. And I think it will improve between now and the end of the season gradually yep. and not overnight. Tell me they're going to beat the, I almost swore, the San Jose Sharks, who are the dead last team overall in the NHL. They're going to take them on on Saturday afternoon at four o'clock. Tell me they're going to handle the Sharks. Yeah, well, well, the Sharks looked okay in Montreal on the Thursday night, didn't they? Like, you know, who knows? But uh, yeah, I, I, San Jose. I think they've got their. Uh, they, they've now uh, exceeded their win quotient uh, quota for the month. So, so yeah, they're probably going to San Jose. Yeah, they win every. Tw- they win every twelve games like yeah. clockwork. That yeah, team, exactly. right there. That's it. That's enough. We're done. <laughs> okay, we're going to go on another long bender. Um, yeah, I, I think being home will help. Uh, it's easier to practice at home. Yeah. You're in your own confines, your own dressing room, your own meeting rooms. There's some good learning time here while they're at home. And, and uh, Jacques Martin, Daniel Albertson, Jack Capuano, everybody, they're going to take advantage of of the locale, of the schedule, of the of the timing of things here. And I think you know, the, the, there's some good teaching time here available to them now. And they're going to get a good player back soon. Shane Pinto is now practicing with the Senators at his uh, debut at practice for this season. Doesn't have a contract. Still not cleared yet from his 41-game suspension, but on the 21st, he'll be good to go, but so was practicing with the Senators 
earlier today. We're recording this on Friday, yeah, um, and this is what Joe had awesome, to say in the big think, media uh, scrum after practice. You know, I took uh, you kind of take it for granted uh, being around the team and you know how much uh, the boys mean to you, but. It's just good to be back. I don't want to get uh, too emotional about it, but it's awesome. I'm just happy. It's been a long road for me, and um, I'm just happy to be, ba- be back around the fellas. How has this road been for you? Like, just can you describe the last couple of months and what you've been going through? Yeah, um, you know, it's been a lot, but honestly, I've had a lot of people supporting me. Um, uh, you know, the boys, um, you know, upper management, ownership, the fans even have my back. So um, it just means a lot to get that support. You know, it was definitely a couple of hard days, a lot of long days, but I just had a lot of people in my corner and um, it just means a lot. So it's been, it's definitely been good. Shane, how did you get there? Like, how did you kind of, where did you spend like the last, since the suspension anyways, to, to kind of get ready for this? Yeah. um, A lot of it was back home. Um, I came up here about three weeks ago now. Um, but back home, uh, I had a skating coach there. He was kind of keeping me upbeat and keeping me ready. Just been working out. Uh, I just felt like I needed to be around my family. Um, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't an easy couple months, but, um, yeah, just around my family. And then I came here about three weeks ago, started to get going and, uh, all settled in and I'm just ready to go. Did you feel like when you got word that you were being investigated and you had to go to the league and office, that'll catch you off guard? Uh, a little bit. Um, I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to get too much, too much into detail about it, but definitely was caught off guard a bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, it just kind of came out of nowhere and, uh, kind of went from there. How does a player react when they find out like 41 games? It's so significant. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it broke my heart. Honestly, I think, uh, you know, I care about this game so much. I put so much time and effort into it and just to kind of get it taken away from you for that long. Um, it's just tough to hear. I mean, you can't, you're kind of at shock at first and, and you just kind of lean on the people around you to kind of get you through it. And, um, I don't think I could have done that without, you know, the, my family around me, my friends, the boys checking in on me all the time. And, uh, but yeah, it's definitely tough, but, um, you know, we're at the finish line here and, uh, I'm just excited for it. Honestly. Wouldn't it feel like to step on the ice today? Just be back with the team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of just surreal. I mean, it kind of sounds corny, but I, you know, you know, I've played, you know, I think two or three years here now, but um, it just made me appreciate the game and just the boys so much more. I know it's been a tough couple months here, and um, I know I've been a distraction towards them, so I kind of feel bad about that. But just to kind of bring hopefully a better vibe and uh, just my smile, hopefully that uh, gets the boys going here and we could uh, hopefully turn it around. So there's Shane Pinto in conversation with the media, still has to be re-signed. You think he's going to be like a minimum wager given the lack of leverage he has right now? Guaranteed guaranteed minimum wage like it'll be yeah. under a million uh how much under a million i don't know but uh somewhere between 750 and 950 i i think anyway and would surprise me if it's one year you know maybe two at the most i mean pinto wouldn't want to sign for two at that low a dollar amount so i could see it being a one-year deal at 750 or 850 and get him in the lineup but they got bigger problems than uh than trying to fit Shane Pinto in you can't even fit in a a goaltender right now they're they've, they're so the the cap gymnastics required right now for this team to to make any roster or lineup changes is pretty is pretty tough right now yeah Anton Forsberg got injured in Buffalo in the final game of that road trip in a five to three loss and it looks like it's not going to be a shorty. It's not going to be one of those deals where you're gone for a week and then back in there. He suffered a groin injury. Don't know the severity yet. MRIs are happening. But uh, it was interesting. It was exactly 11 months 
since he tore both MCLs in a game uh, against Edmonton last year. So um, not the same injury by any stretch, but uh, I mean, Forsberg on top of being unproven still is uh, turning out to be a guy that uh, has been running into more than his share of injuries. And so now the Sens, obviously, this is one of the frustrations if you're a Sens fan to be the worst team in the Eastern division. But look at the Atlantic division right now. Even if they win all their games in hand, I think it's like five or six they have. Um, there's no team in the Atlantic they can catch by winning every single one of those games. So the games in hand thing is 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 a non-starter now. But when you look at it, um, back to Forsberg anyway, uh, they're in a bit of trouble because the sal- oh that was I going to say salary cap. It's frustrating for Sens fans. This team's right up against the cap, like at zero before Forsberg was injured, and they're and they're that bad. They're this bad, and they're a cap team. Anyway, uh, we're not even sure right now as we speak, as we're recording this, if the Sens can get a backup goalie into that lineup uh, because it looks like they may have to go to a amateur tryout scenario for a backup. After that, they might be able to go to an emergency recall for the following game, but things could get interesting cap-wise in the goaltending department for the Sens against San Jose on Saturday afternoon. It's just uh, when it rains, it pours, Greg. Yeah, and I keep looking through the lineup and trying to figure out, okay, so if they do manage to settle this goaltending issue somehow, some way, mm-hmm. how are they going to bring in Pinto's money? Uh, yeah, yes, I believe it's going to be a minimal amount, but I don't see how you can do it. Somebody's got to go, and I don't know who it's going to be. Like, Can you send down McEwen? And that doesn't count against the cap, and that frees up some money. But he's only league minimum, isn't he? He's seven fifty or eight. Maybe that says that will work. Just one move works. I don't know, Steve. It's yeah, something's got to happen. It's got to happen real soon. Well, and if you're looking at you know creating relevant sort of cap room here, and and you're you were talking earlier about you know are some of these guys ever going to recover from what's happening here and and become you know, really good two-way NHL players that could be part of this core and help you win a cup someday. You know, you might have to look at whoever you believe right now uh, is your most likely guy to not be part of the core moving forward who's making significant money. Maybe now is the time to deal with it just because you're up against it. The season is pretty much over. I was thinking about that. Like, even to get in a scenario where you could go on a Hamburglar run, let's say Sogard gets called up at some point and he gets really hot. Like even the Sogar or the uh, the Hamburglar run, the that started when the Sens were hovering around the 500 mark mm-hmm. in a points percentage. Right now, the Sens are nowhere near that, so they would have to go on a major heater for the next month just to position themselves for a potential Hamburglar run from that point. So it's a pipe dream to think about playoffs, and now they have to think about okay, who's staying, who's going. And the cap situation right now dictates that they might have to make that decision on player number one to create some room sooner rather than later. Right. So the question now is, does that player who moves out, does it does it become, I think right now, they're probably still only offering up smaller, less consequential type things or obvious things. Like they're probably shopping yeah. Kubelik, they're probably shopping Terracycle. Those are the obvious ones. Uh, they may be talking about lesser things like a Brandstrom or a JBD. I don't think they've even as well. No, Steve Stales is pretty much on record as saying, or at least the insiders are telling us that Steve Stales is saying 
Yes. We're not touching the core. You know, we're not touching any of the young guys yet. But it, geez, it might just come to that. It may just come to that. Or here's an idea. You, you, you ship out a Brandstrom now or a, or a Kubalik or something now that allows you to bring Pinto in, that allows you to bring a proper goaltender in here instead of an e-bug or a amateur tryout. And yeah. then by trade deadline, then we might see a bigger shoe drop. I'm just speculating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's all speculation for sure. And uh, back to Pinto for a second. When he gets back in the lineup, it's going to be interesting because the center ice depth chart has been kind of fluid. Like we thought we knew what it was, but all of a sudden, Tim Stutzla is going really sideways. He's still their best center. Don't get me wrong, but he's not played well lately. Looks very uncertain. I don't know if I, and Steve Lloyd brought this up as well, and I agreed with it. I don't know if I've seen him, even going back to his rookie year, be this lacking in confidence with the puck. Josh Norris is injured right now. Not sure how long he'll be out. He took a big backflip going over top of a Calgary Flames player and landed on the back of his head. I would guess like maybe not a concussion, maybe more like a like a sprained neck Yeah, because uh, that was all that weight came down on the back of his neck and the back of his head. Um, but without even talking about the injury, and this is the news that came up in that uh, Ridley Gregg for the Buffalo game was really elevated, like, regular full-time with Giroux and Brady Kachuk. Like that is a big promotion, at least in the temporary situation for Ridley Gregg. But I don't know if I'm not starting to have that thought process anyway, if I'm Steve Steos or Jacques Martin, that Ridley Gregg with his ferocious competitive streak and being involved and being better defensively than Norris and certainly more physical. I'm not sure he wasn't sneaking up on Josh Norris the way Josh Norris is right now. Um, on, on terms of that depth chart, what do you think? Yeah, I I, I think I'm still. I, I, we've said this before too, right? There's an there's an issue here of assessment and evaluation going on, and yeah, it started to look like as Norris's before the injury, Norris's ice time wasn't quite the same. His his opportunities weren't quite the same. It looked like it was a combination of him maybe sliding down a little bit in the coach's eyes, and a, a Ridley Gregg and a Parker Kelly, two guys that were moving up in the coach's eyes. So that maybe, but I still, uh, it's, uh, this is the problem, right? Like how soon is too soon and how late is too late to quote unquote, give up on a prospect, right? right. That's uh, probably the singular, most difficult thing. Uh, an assessor of talent, a scout, a GM, a coach, whatever has to face. When is it too soon to give up? Or when is it too late to give up? You want if you're going to move somebody, you want to get the maximum return. If you're not going to move that guy, you better hope you're right so that you get the maximum return when he becomes a superstar. And I think there's still time is required uh, on all of these players. And, and you know, there's the catch twenty two now, right? Well, well, we need time to evaluate and assess and find out what we got and who we think projects and how we see them projecting. But at the same token, the team sucks and we need to do something. So what do you do? And well, the answer is you do what Steve Stales is trying to do, make peripheral changes around the edges, move out something here or there, and try to bring in some veteran players. And so far, of course, that's been, been difficult to do. And if he's unable to do it, okay, what's plan B? You know, now what? You know, a month from now, if he hasn't found somebody, now what? 
Attention truck enthusiasts, are you ready to experience the power, performance, and innovation of a legendary vehicle? Look no further than the 2023 Ford F-150 at Jim K. Ford. We have incredible deals and financing options tailored just for you. Visit Jim K. Ford today and experience the thrill of driving the best-selling truck in Canada, the 2023 Ford F-150. Visit us at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans or at JimKFord.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln, we say yes! Dunrobin Distillery's Canadian Whiskey is their inaugural whiskey developed with one word in mind, approachable. The result is an award-winning triumph, blending new oak, sherry, and bourbon barrel-aged wheat, corn, and rye together in perfect harmony. Unapologetically Canadian, it's whiskey to be enjoyed your way. So incredibly smooth, with just the right sweetness, and you'll be confident serving it neat, on the rocks, and in your favorite cocktails without a second thought. Dunrobin Canadian Whiskey, available now at the LCBO or online at dunrobindistilleries.com. Well, it's it comes down to when you're evaluating, um, like I think about who would go, who would leave the smallest hole on the roster, who would help you out in the cap area. And I think Exhibit A and Exhibit B, and I'm not saying they can't turn it around in the, you know, in the coming months, maybe they do figure it out. Maybe they really get going. But I think when you look at Thomas Shabbat and Josh Norris, both at $8 million a year, Norris just a little under eight, but uh, right there, seven, nine, five or something like that. We'll call it both eight um, at $8 million a year. Neither of those players, in my opinion, are delivering that um, Norris from a production standpoint, offensively, not bad, but certainly not at his 35 goal pace from a couple of years ago, still has not returned to the Josh Norris that we saw before the shoulder injury. And uh, your point is a good one, though, because uh, he's still so young. Shabbat, on the other hand, I think he'd be exhibit A for most people. If you had to sacrifice someone that the bulk of the fan base thinks of as part of the core, that would be the one that I would look at. But it's all about cap in the NHL, right? How many teams could even afford to take on? Even if both of them, some GM out there believes in one or both of these players dramatically, who is willing to take on? an $8 million contract uh, at this stage of the game or or at any point, unless they know they're getting a stud. And I don't know that anybody who acquired Shabbat or Norris is feeling like, yeah, yeah, we got a, we got a guaranteed stud here. It's not clear right now. But the other thing that factors into any idea of moving a Shabbat, what automatically factors in is, all right, who's going to take up the slack? Jacob Chikrin is a year away from being a free agent and can just walk on you. And after how many years in Phoenix and now two years of this, if it's staying the same way, does he really want to stick around? You know, you right. may end up losing Jacob Chikrin. Um, the other thing is, like, where's Jacob Clevin? Jacob, where's uh, T- Tyler Clevin in his his uh, scale of development progression here? Where's he fit in? Like, who's going to pick up the slack and fill in in the lineup if you move a Shabbat or if you right. move a Norris. You know, you've got to – that's the other part of it, right? You, it's easier to justify – if you trade a guy away and it turns out that maybe he turned out to be better than you thought he was going to be, it's easier to justify it down the road if whatever you got in return looks good and is playing well. But if you screw up the return and the other guy ends up being pretty damn good wherever he goes, then it's a double whammy. And then you're really screwed up. And I think maybe that's part of the problem here with a inexperienced NHL GM. I bet there are some things that have come across his desk 
And I can see him having cold feet over some of these things because he's worried about how it's going to look in the long haul. Yeah. Yeah. I think Michael Landlauer has done a really good job of putting great people in place. And that, that would have been nice to have at the start of this rebuild six years ago, five, six years ago, whenever it was that yeah. it started. I think we can, everything we're talking about here and all the issues they have right now, it all bleeds to Eugene Melnick. Um, you know, hired the rookie GM, hired the rookie coach. Had these people been in place, I feel way more comfortable that the right things would have been getting done because there was enough veteran components. Jacques Martin, uh, Daniel Offertson's there. Uh, you've got Dave Pula there now who can, I think, fill in the experience gaps that Steve Steos lacks. But just the quality of people that Michael Landlauer has lined up here, I feel like the thing would have taken care of itself instead of going the way it's gone. Uh, while it was happening, as fans and media were watching it, and hoping for the best and, and seeing, you know, you're picking up some good names there, some and some good people, but uh just I don't know, it just felt like it would have gone a lot better if uh if things had been if the, if there'd been different stewards, if there'd been different skippers at the wheel. <laughs> Are we coming off as bleak in this episode, Greg? <laughs> oh no, now Bleak Steve was putting up they keep putting up this the TSN's favorite stat board now is that number of goals allowed in the first minute, in the first shot, in the first 10 minutes. Have you seen that one? They plop that one up every game now and the numbers just keep climbing in each of those categories depending on which goalies in net. And now the new one is they give up they how many goals they allow within 5 minutes of scoring a goal how many times they give up two goals and uh, within two minutes, like these, all these stats out of some guy at TSN is making a lot of money sitting around dreaming this stuff up so they can flash it up on the board. That is bleak. Every time they allow a goal, I'm waiting for that thing to come up to see how this what's Oh, bring up the board, bring up the board, you know, like Jerry Lewis there. Let's see how the numbers have changed. Now that's bleak. Well, it's so unnecessary to do bleak stats. <laughs> It's too for easy. the Ottawa Senators. Well, and, and it, it's un, it's unnecessary in that it, you know, I, I don't need to know what the analytics are. You don't have to tell me that, you know, if they give up a goal in the first 10 minutes. No, the only stats you need are the standings. I just assume that they're doing everything wrong based on their standings. I think right now only Chicago and San Jose, from a points standpoint, are worse than the Ottawa Senators. And I think there might be a couple others in terms of the points percentage Take that are worse. Yeah, so it, I'm tankathon. My goodness, <laughs> tankathon, tankathon. Yeah, I keep people. I, I I keep seeing people um, saying I'm now part of Sens Tank Nation. I'm like, hey, hey, you're dabbling a little bit in Sens Nation here now. You may hear from our lawyers. But uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, Claude Giroux is 36 today. What a bright spot in a dark time. Mm -hmm. Couple of goals to just almost single handedly get the Sens back into that game. He's now leading the team in scoring. I think he's tied with Stutzla and maybe one other, I want to say. I'll have to double check. But he's at the top of the charts uh, at age 36 today. And you can say, I mean, Pierre Dorian made a lot of missteps. But uh, that one was, where would they be without Claude Giroux? I mean, they'd still be in last place. Probably, you know, maybe worse than San Jose. <laughs> but what a great pro. You, you'd certainly love to have two or three more Claude Giroux, maybe younger versions of it in that in that lineup. Well, Claude Giroux has played in this league uh, for enough different coaches over the years with enough different systems that when Jacques Martin shows up and says, all right, we're going to start doing this now, 
Claude Sir. Oh yeah, yeah, I can remember that. We 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 used that in the early two uh, thousands when I was playing under Coach. Uh, I don't know whoever in Philly at the time. You know, he 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 can adjust his game and play and uh, also perform accordingly. Other people are having a tough time. So the guy is still there. I mean, he, as you know from your good buddy Tony Greco, what kind of condition Claude Giroux maintains physically, uh, that shouldn't be a problem. And, yeah, he's smart, Wiley. He's a pro's pro. He's a veteran player. and He's going to show up and do his job every night and play and perform the way the, the system dictates, and he will get results. It's wonderful to yeah. see. Now he's playing with Ridley Gregg and, and Brady Kachuk, uh, and did against Buffalo, and, and that was – pretty much in place the entire game. We'll see what happens in the San Jose game. But uh, isn't that an interesting line? Because you've got three players. I mean, Kachuk's okay defensively, but Greg, definitely concerned about defense. And you have three players who are fiery competitors, and they were responsible for helping get the Sens back in that game. They're down 4-1 in the third. Giroux gets a couple of goals, but it was a really a the entire line chipping in with a big four check and, and turning over pucks. That's the kind of hockey that Jacques Martin wants to see. And that's, I think why Jacques Martin put that group together almost as if to say, boys do that. Right. Here's the three guys who, who know it the best, who understand it the best and are capable of executing the way we want them to. Let's get a lot of good video from these three now that we can use at our next video session on Saturday afternoon or whatever, right? Like there's going to be a lot of good video out of that, that trio from that game to show the rest of the team. And uh, Greg had, had some chemistry with uh, Giroux when he was first playing last season too, you'll recall. I think it was, yeah, that's they, right. they were with Batherson, were they not? Um, and there was a lot of good chemistry there between Greg and, and uh, Giroux. A uh, player he he looked up to as a young boy. I think his father played with Giroux in Philly at one point. Um, I, I I could be wrong on that, but his father he somehow or other there's a connection there between a young Ridley Gregg and Claude Giroux. Um, but yeah, I I I like the line. I like the way it, it it works together. It's finding other things now. It's it's convincing a Tim Stutzla not to get down over it. You know, well, how did, geez, I got knocked off there. I don't get to play there. There's an injury and I still don't get to go up there. How is that affecting Tim Stutzla's mind and confidence level? And you alluded to it earlier that uh, Steve Lloyd said, you know, I don't know what I've ever seen him look uh, like he lacks confidence more so than he does right now and bump to the second power play unit. How is Timmy Stu going to react to all of this stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And in the center ice position, let me pick your brain on this. We're going to go fast forward one year from today. One year from today, give me, in order, your top three centers on the Ottawa Senators. I think Norris is still here, and I believe uh, in order it would still be Stutzla, Norris, and then either Pinto or Greg because one of the uh, No, no, you got to go. That, that's part of this question. One of going to be moved to the wing, though. So I'd say, yeah, you probably it's a it's a uh, Ridley Gregg that gets moved to a wing. So I would say, yeah, it would be Norris Stutzla or Stut uh, one two three Stutzla Norris Pinto, and I think uh, Ridley Gregg is playing the wing somewhere in your top six. What do yeah, you I guess? The question the question is basically: Will Josh Norris be traded, and who will win the battle between Gregg and Pinto now that Pinto is back? And certainly, right now. This is opportunities knocking loudly for yeah. Ridley Gregg to really showcase himself while Norris is hurt and Pinto's out for another 11 days with his suspension. And maybe beyond that, I don't know. Uh, there's been some discussion about, you know, he might need some time to 
you know, get up to speed. I think that's what this 11 days is for of practicing now that, uh, I guess we're not 11 days now. We're now inside, uh, nine days. Um, yeah. So I think this is a really good opportunity for Ridley Gregg to prove himself with two outstanding line mates. Like that's as good as it gets for centermen to have two guys competing and, and as skilled as those two guys are in Kachuk and Giroux. So I, I, I think right now I'm leaning toward Norris being dealt. Okay. So it'll be Stutzla, Greg, Pinto. That will be okay. my one year from now center ice lineup. Uh, but we shall see. I just, I, I look at Josh Norris and, uh, I, and, and seeing the way he's played this year and his $8 million a year contract and being injury prone. I don't know that the window for moving him will be available to Steve Steos for a whole lot longer. So you have to make up your mind, you know, because a lot of people complain about that contract immediately after it was signed because his shooting percentage in his 35 goal year a couple of years ago was way high, which is always a red flag, a red flag the same way as, uh, you know, a, a 20 year old and junior tearing up the junior ranks is like, yeah, that was a great season, but he's 20 year old and he's older than everybody else. If your shooting percentage is high, higher than the standard, that often means there's, um, you know, things will rectify themselves. Uh, just math wise, that's, that's not sustainable generally. And so we shall see, but that's kind of how I'd be looking at things one year from now. I think there's one other thing that factors into the whole, uh, our, our, our idea of having to move one guy, one of the $8 million guys that we seem to be banting about, be it Norris or Shabbat. Uh, pretty sure Shabbat's got a no trade that kicks in. I want to say it's July 1st. Yeah, it's this summer. Shabbat's got a no trade kicking in. So that might factor into things too down the road. We should just mention yeah. that. Yep. No, I mean, I would say that if I'm doing the one year from now exercise, I will also have Shabbat somewhere else as well, but that's not <laughs> oh, going wow. to, uh, yeah, you're shocked by that. I know. I know. <laughs> I think I've handled myself. I've restrained, like, come on, Greg. Did you see the Tage Thompson goal? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> what, like as a coach, you might, if you're on the bench watching that and just watching him, like when Tage Thompson crossed the blue line, that stage Shabbat's inside his own, the circle. Inside the face-off circle. Yeah, but he also wild, wild turnstile Brandstrom. Oh, my God. Like, come on. That was Cousins. Yeah, I was Cousins, sorry. Yeah, with the Brandstrom yeah. handing out speeding tickets. Boom. You know, the guy yeah. blew right by him while you're sitting in your cruiser writing up the ticket. You know, I go, wow. Yeah. 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 Brandstrom didn't so, look too hot on that one either. No. There's a lot of uh, – So this, I mean, that defense is just the, – there's some skill there, but there's no physicality. There's a lot of standing and puck watching. There's a lot of reaching and poke checking. Go back and watch which goal is it against Calgary. Oh, man. It's on my Twitter account yeah, at, at, Steve, at Steve Warren Media. But yeah. it's like Joseph loses his guy. Then yep. Chikrin comes out to a guy behind the net and he tries to poke check him. That guy kicks the puck out in front. It's just like everybody's watching. Everybody's Knock leaning his poke down. Exactly. <laughs> like that would be one where you're doing the the coach from Letter Kenny running into the room, kicking over the garbage. <laughs> Get embarrassing. Sorry, I swore. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. Um, time to, to close go. it out. When Steve starts dropping F bombs, it's time to go. I think so. I think so. Yeah, we'll we'll hold for that. Uh there was one other thing we we're going to talk about. We'll get to it in our next episode. Thank you for being with us, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that didn't come off as too ranty or too uh, you know, too grim, too dread uh, dreary and all that. And it's just the reality of the situation. Senators taking on the San Jose Sharks, four o'clock. 
back home. Hopefully uh, get back in the win column after uh, yet another bad five-game road trip. The last four or five-game road trips, and this only goes back a couple of years, have been 1-4, 1-4, 0-5, 0-5. So hopefully that's the last of five-game road trips for a while. Our website is sensnationhockey.com. Please check out as well the hockey news. There is an Ottawa Senators page there, as most of you would know by now, thn.com slash Ottawa. All kinds of cool articles up there as well. And Greg and I are there with our big, old, ugly catcher's mitt faces uh, talking about things. You'll see uh, clips from this particular program up there as well. So check it out, thn.com slash Ottawa. Greg, enjoy your weekend, and we'll talk to you next time. For sure. Thank you, Steve. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com.